Welcome everyone to another episode of Deep Shift. I am back here with Daniela Gill. Daniela is a psychic intuitive and spiritual teacher who accesses the Akashic perspective to give people insights on life and the planet. So we are going to dive deeply in today. And I want to, Daniela, I want to, I want to dive into you. <laughs> who are you? Where did you come from? What is your story? And thank you for being here. Such an honor to be here. So what would you like to know? So have you always been psychic? Have you always had these psychic abilities? Yes and no. It helps a lot in the cultivation of my psychic gifts to recognize them, to own them. I had a really big opening after I got this astrological reading from a dear friend named Megan Zimring, where she told me that I had the most psychic chart she had ever seen. And she saw these transits or these, I don't know the astrological terms, but these things occurring in my, in my astrology, that was going to catalyze a huge psychic opening. And having her say all of that, I feel like really confirmed to me the validity of my intuition. So that helped open me up as well as I'm sure all of these transits that occurred over the years. But as a child, I was highly intuitive. I Just to give an example, I was, I was telling this story last night. I was in first grade and I was sitting next to this girl and I was just feeling like I was going to throw up, but, it, but I didn't feel like I was going to throw up. I was like really confused. I was like, wait, I kind of feel sick, but I really don't feel sick. And I was confused. And I remember I was eating a cupcake and I was like, am I going to like, am I going to throw up? What's going on? And then all of a sudden the girl sitting next to me just threw up all over the desk, all over the table, like right next to me. So just little experiences like that. One time my friend was really mean to me on the bus one morning and I was like, oh, like she's being so mean. Like, why is she being so mean? And then I like tuned in and I was like, oh my God, her big brother was bullying her this morning. Oh, wow. And so I constantly had insights like that. And I actually thought that the whole world was seeing the world in that way. So it wasn't until I was older that I realized like, oh, people aren't recognizing these things the way that I am. Mm, interesting. So she, she ended up throwing up on her desk. <laughs> on the table, like right next to me. That, that I've, that's a, a fascinating psychic ability to tune into like the, the feeling, the bodily feelings of someone else. Yeah, but I didn't really know what I was doing back then because I was a child. I think I had trouble differentiating between me and other people as a child. And so like as you grew a little older, like in your teenage years, did you start to hone in or like how did how did your life play out after after that? I think I started to shut it down. My teenage years were very challenging. I feel like I accumulated so much emotional debris in my fields that I did not know how to address or digest or transmute or alchemize or release. And I dove more into addictions and forms of distraction. And I like, when I reflect back, I'm like, well, what happened to my teenagers? It's like, I don't even know what happened. I just went so unconscious. Yeah. And was there a catalyst that helped you kind of get out of that stage in your life and into a more conscious spiritual stage? There were many. I was extremely depressed throughout high school and I had a lot of anxiety and I was doing drugs and 
I started, I got a book called Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss. And that like, it just resonated so deeply. And then I, the book had a little meditation in a CD form and I listened to it and I started meditating and it catalyzed such a heart opening for me and such a deep connection to myself that I started feeling peace for the first time maybe ever in my life. And it happened very quickly. And I remember going to high school. I was a senior in high school. It was the beginning of my senior year. And I had this computer teacher, I was seeing computer class, and she was very unpleasant. She, she was just always yelling and going on about things and like trying to get us all in trouble for things. And after doing this meditation and being in such a deep place of peace, I walk into her class and she's, you know, going on one of her rampages and I perceived her so differently. I just saw so much. I felt so much love. And then I started feeling all the stress in her life. And I started realizing that she had this husband who had been in the military, had some like PTSD and was actually quite abusive, like verbally, emotionally abusing her and how that morning he had been especially abusive. So then she comes to work and all the, all these high school kids come into her class and she's just spewing it all over them. And I saw the way that all played out. So at the end of class, I went to speak to her and um, she immediately, she was like very taken aback. I don't even remember what I said, but it was like just me speaking to my psychic sight. And she started crying and I realized like, whoa, I'm kind of psychic. Huh. I had that realization that moment and I felt like it was a very healing interaction, even though I didn't necessarily know what I was doing or saying, there was a deep exchange. The, the details are not clear. So I told my therapist, I was seeing a therapist at the time, my therapist told my psychiatrist and I was drugged. <laughs> I was put on so many different pharmaceuticals because one thing led to a million other things like started with antidepressants. And then that led to like um, feeling like I wasn't paying attention. So that led to Adderall and then Adderall led to, I can't sleep. So that led to Ambien and Adderall also led to, I have severe anxiety. So that led to Xanax and like, Within a matter of time, I was just on this pharmaceutical cocktail and it completely numbed out my intuitive knowing. And, and I remember my therapist, my psychiatrist, I was like, I don't like my whole life. I needed drugs. I needed antidepressants. But like for the first time ever, I felt like I didn't need them. And I remember telling them like, no, I don't, I don't need them right now. For the first time ever, I discovered meditation and they were like, well, if you don't need them, then it won't have any effect on you but please, for our sake, take them. And they wanted me to take them because they thought I was heading towards psychosis because I was claiming to be psychic and to know the details of my computer teacher's personal life. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, it's not, it's not the norm, let's say. They, they probably didn't often get someone who could psychically read their computer teacher coming in. <laughs> I, I just find it crazy that the first route is pills yeah you know like wow that's it's a sign of, of kind of the society of, of fix it before it uh, like instead of fixing it before it happens fix it after the fact and just like throw a pill at it and see if that can help so they gave you all these different prescriptions for every single thing that's out there and so then then what happened well then I changed I completely cut myself off from my empathy 
actually. I lost my empathy, my sense of empathy. And was that and pills themselves? I think so, because when I stopped taking them, I, my empathy was restored. Oh, wow. And there was actually an occurrence, a very shocking occurrence to me about a year into taking all those pharmaceutical drugs, or maybe even like eight months, it wasn't that long in, like a year. I was, no, a little bit over a year. I was at a nightclub in Tampa. That's where I went to college. And this, I had these big X's on my hands, you know, cause I was like 18, 19. And I took a sip of a friend's alcoholic drink and the bouncer saw me and he aggressively grabbed me and like like dragged me down the stairs. I was like, I'm not resisting. I'm not fighting. Like, stop. Like, like, please stop. And I remember I had like nail marks and bruises the next day. That's how rough this sponsor was with me. And I was in no resistance. He just had all this pent up aggression. And my reaction to him was like, like after he kicked me out and threw me out, like I wanted to hurt him. Mm. Like I wanted to harm him. I wanted to do him harm. And I was just consumed with the thought of wanting to harm him. And I remember I had that thought all night. And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, whoa, there is something very off about me. Mm. If I'm wanting to harm someone, like there's something wrong. There's something off. At that point, I had been taken opiates that whole year. I was addicted to Oxycontin. I was like doing cocaine. Like I wasn't necessarily addicted to cocaine, but I was doing it every single weekend. And I was taking Oxycontin every single day. And in that moment, I realized that I was just so far lost that I was wanting to harm someone else. And that was a huge wake up call because the, the feeling that I felt in my heart was like pure hatred and pure anger to the point where if I could have harmed him, I would have. And that was not something that I'd experienced in my life before because of my sense of empathy, because of my connection to other people's experiences. So that was very shocking and alarming. And that was a wake up call to get off the pharmaceutical drugs. And over the coming months I did. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like with alcohol, it's like enhances the ego or like cocaine enhances the ego to where your version of reality is a distortion from what actual reality is. You know, yes. when, when I stopped drinking, I started to hang out with my friends who were still drinking and I'd see them just acting ridiculous. And I'm like, wait, that's how I acted. <laughs> and, and that slight chemical difference is, the, you know, difference between having empathy and, and not having empathy, you know, like thinking you're the best and you go in and it's all about you. And, and then, you know, but in reality, it's when that, when that chemical is, that layer is lifted, it's it, it kind of that that empathy layer can can come back um and it's fascinating yeah. that those affected your your empathy um especially like with like xanax and with just different things i, I can't really speak to anyone in in particular but the ones especially antidepressants that like you know no longer make you depressed kind of some of them are numbing you know, a little bit like just eh, I don't really care too much and that caring can then get transferred to our view of humanity and other people and you know there's also the reflection of relationships which is how we see ourselves is how we see the world hmm. and how we love ourselves is how much we love the world so yeah, yeah. continue continue your story Ooh. So after after all of this, you started to um, 
you got off the pills and uh, how did your path then take you to helping other people and being a spiritual teacher? Mm. I suppose many different things happened throughout the years that really woke me up. One was tremendous heartbreak (laughs) that catalyzed a spiritual awakening for me. And I also developed major digestive issues, severe cystic acne, and it all accrued into an autoimmune disease, which got me to really pay attention to my health and my nutrition and my well-being. One pivotal moment for me was that I went to see this. It was my first time seeing a psychic or anything psychic, anything. It was recommended to me by a friend. So I went to see this, you know, this big psychic and we're, we're all sitting there and he's just, oh, he had us do these ink blot things. And then he was choosing just a few from the audience to analyze. And he analyzed mine and he told me that I was going to be, well, he told me that I had a past. He, he said some interesting things and I'm not saying that I necessarily, that any of this is truth, but it really planted some ideas in my mind. He said that in past lifetimes, he saw me having reached like the highest heights of bliss and love and spiritual enlightenment available within the physical form. And he saw that I carried some gifts for humanity and that I would be stepping up as a spiritual teacher. And I remember my friend started taking notes because the reading was so profound. He was actually crying and he was crying because he said, I feel the love in your heart and I feel the purity of your soul. And then he said, millions would know my name. And like, it was just such a profound reading. I was like, whoa. And at that time I had a history of drug addiction. I had a history of abusive relationships. I had a history of like a horrible eating disorder, like binge eating, purging. And I was just starting to get into meditation and I had just signed up for my first Vipassana, but hadn't done it yet. And so what he said was so far out. It was like, what? But I like on some level believed and trusted it. And he, he also said some things that he actually said a bunch of things that come, came true. He told me that he saw me moving to California. And at the time I was living in Florida and I was like, I'm not moving to California. And of course, a few years later, I moved to California. Mm. So he did, he did say quite a many things that, that came true. And, and just him saying that awakened something in me around it being a possibility And after that session, the people in the session, when we left, they swarmed me, like swarmed me. They all surrounded me and had all these questions for me. Because I I mean, I haven't even really spoken to what this man said. Like he went all out in his like proclamations of like my future. And every other reading was very different. What? It's like you're, you're the instant spiritual guru. He he made it out to be like, I was like some Christ figure. Like it was actually quite comical reflecting back on it. Uh, so the people that were there, a lot of them were regulars and a lot of them really trusted his perspectives because he had said many things that had come true for them. So So they all swarmed me at the end. And this one woman was like, I need to speak to you. I need to speak to you. My son died in a car accident a few weeks ago and I'm in so much pain and I feel like he's in purgatory. She said something along those lines. And I was just like, at this time, like, you know, I was recovering from drug addiction. Like my consciousness was not in the space of really holding healing space for others. But she was like, so just determined to to speak to me and to receive from me. So I remember just 
like saying what I felt inspired to say, which ended up being this like really profound spiritual message around what happens when we die. And everyone around me, like literally they were swarming. I remember they all just like really dropped into it. And, um, and it just awakened something. It was like, Oh, like just, I suppose it awakened a new possibility, something that I really had no idea about until that moment. Wow. Yeah. It's like the, the permission slip. It's like, we don't realize our potential until someone sometimes when someone outside of us tells us or reflects to us who we are. Yeah, totally planted a seed of possibility. Yeah. And then that woman, like, so expectant of that, like, you know, divine message from from the big spiritual teacher, which was really this, like, woman trying to, like, get off Oxycontin's, like, 20-something-year-old <laughs> woman. <laughs> like, she had this, such a clear expectation, this whole audience did. So it just, like, naturally just came out. Yeah. And that brings me to what you said. So you've been doing these events. Uh, You did an event this last Friday, these live events uh, that we've been hosting together. And one of the things you said was that everyone has these psychic abilities. They have Mm -hmm. the potential at least to have these psychic abilities. And I feel like this ties into that so well, because it's like this man, you know, showered you with all this praise of who you were. He showed you this possibility of who you were. And it sounds like it allowed you to really kind of step into those shoes and channel from that, from that place. Um, Is that all people need? Do people just need a little bit of encouragement and recognition that they can do? Yes. The reflections that we offer people are so incredibly empowering and the way in which we perceive others impacts the way that we, they perceive themselves. Mm. Our projections have far more impact than we recognize. At the end of the day, we're all one. We're so interconnected and interdependent that how another sees us is inevitably going to affect the way that we see ourselves. And I feel like many people have been perceived through the lens of you're so broken, you're so bad, because whoever is raising them, whoever is around them in their upbringing is perceiving themselves in that way. So what we see in ourselves, we tend to project outwardly. Just like I, as a little child, thought that everybody was perceiving the world I was Hmm. through this more psychic lens. So then other people internalize that and they just need somebody to see them through the lens of of purity and of love to break free from that. And that's what an Akashic Record reading offers. Many times when people come to an Akashic Record reading, it is the first time in their entire lives that they are witnessing themselves being seen through the lens of you are unconditionally loved you are inherently lovable, you are pure, you are perfect exactly as you are. As soon as we're in Akashic perspective, we rise above the limitations of the human mind with all of its expectations and projections and beliefs. And we step into the space of unconditional love where we perceive all through the un- through unconditional love. That's, that's how the Akashic record sees everything. We see another person in that way, they feel it. That reaches their unconscious and their subconscious it reaches their psyche and it changes things for them and it opens them up to perceive themselves in that way which then shifts little by little every circumstance of their life wow it's 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 like what the world needs right now absolutely there's so much brokenness and so much disconnect and and anger and and it's like we we need this reflection of who we truly are 
And that's fascinating to see from the Akashic perspective when you're giving these readings to people and you're able to share with them how they are seen, like in the, in the eyes of God, you know, like that, that's, that could be something they haven't heard in years. Or ever. I think for most it's ever. Sometimes it's just an opening of the channel and then the tears come and it's just tears and tears and tears. It's a release of all the weight, all the heaviness, all the baggage, all the distortion, all the lies that we've created about ourselves. I remember when you were giving me uh, the training, you were giving me the Akashic Record training in Greece and I, I started to kind of tune in and just drop in and, and speak to what was being shown to me. Like literally tears were streaming from my eyes. Just seeing mm. from that perspective just gave me so much empathy and emotion. Yeah, it's, it's so healing. It's so beautiful. And it is so liberating. So many of us on the planet at this time are so caught up in ideas of good and bad and right and wrong. And that creates so much suffering because it creates separation and it creates mistrust and it creates fear. And it's not inherently true. So you and I, last time we had the full podcast, like we're doing now, it was, it was like, like coronavirus lockdown. It was right in the middle of it. How are the energies now from this Akashic perspective? Like what's, what's going on on this planet? A lot. And it feels like it's so radically different for everybody. Everybody's on their unique journey. It feels like for many, there's just been this integration of this profound healing and this really deep empowerment. And at the same time, humanity still, in many ways, it's like we're transforming so quickly, so quickly, and we still have so much left to go. Mm. So I often see how there's still, there's still so much reconciliation occurring and transformation and purging and releasing and clearing and alchemizing of, of all the traumas that we have experienced over the past few eons of really diving into this idea of separation and diving into our own ignorance and forgetfulness of who it is that we truly are. Forgetfulness of the Akashic records, disconnect from all of that and everything that we created along the way through that ignorance, which is a lot. We've We've like subjected each other to wars. We've like raped and murdered each other. We've created things like slavery and the Holocaust and the Trail of Tears and whoa, corrupt governments, all of that. The collective human psyche is healing from all of that right now because what is occurring at this time is, as we know, we've entered the Kali Yuga. It is the death and destruction of all the systems that we have created, all the ways of being that are not connected to the truth of our inherent oneness and to our immense capacity for love and recognition of our infinite possibility. Mm. As, as we all are creators, these conscious co-creators of this experience. So all of that is being dismantled so that we can truly birth um, what you could call heaven on earth. Just the realization of, of the more that we are. Mm. And it, yeah, it definitely feels like it's one of those moments in human history where things are changing very rapidly. And uh, I know last time we got into some conspiracy theories and, and politics, which was a lot of fun, controversial, <laughs> but, uh, and it seems as though that it's still relevant now. You know, we're talking Donald Trump, there's an election coming up. 
there's a lot there's a lot here and i've heard from a few channels including yourself it's there's a lot of similar messages in that donald trump he's kind of unconsciously helping he's yeah. got he's got this ego that is it's all about himself but that ego was what was able to get him to the point of where he's at ruling a country like and and once he's there now he's dismantling some of the systems that were in place like is he doing this consciously i don't know but i'm curious your perspective on uh just the current state of politics and the trump <laughs> as you asked it felt to me like a lot of it was becoming obsolete because the little by little like and actually not even little by little really quickly humanity is regaining their power and once they connect more with the truth of who they are, their immense power and the truth within their hearts, they don't necessarily need a governing system in the same way because they don't need to be controlled. They don't need to be forced into some sort of like behaving in moral or ethic ways. They don't need to be encouraged to give their gifts through the idea of money. It, it just becomes like oh, there's nothing else to do here but to give my gifts and to share with others and to love others because I know that everybody is an aspect of self and that I'm here to contribute to the whole. And that's the pathway to my greatest joy and greatest fulfillment. Mm. So all of that is coming into being and the idea of government, it starts to radically change as everybody just settles into their role and restores their trust in each other. So we're really restoring our trust in each other. And what I'm seeing at this time is a purge of mistrust. And that is being, that is being projected onto the government big time. There is so much mistrust being projected onto the government, as well as these divisive ideas, ideas of divisiveness, of us versus them, of there being some battle. We're like playing that out in our lives. And it's like, well, who's the battle against? Like the government. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much of that right now. And there's so much anger, especially yeah. from what I've from got on the left side, like the, the Democrat side, there's a lot of just like anger. And I it's not that attractive to to be honest. And I don't think it's it's helping their cause too much. It's not bringing people over to the team. Um like what what are your thoughts on this anger? Like how is this all going to help in the healing of of the planet? The anger needs to be moved because it's been blocking so much. So it needs to be brought up. It needs to be moved. There, the anger is valid. There's a reason for its being. And as it becomes, as it starts to be expressed, as it starts to take new movement, we can feel what's underneath that and what's underneath that and what's underneath that. And we'll find that like the very depths, it's just a longing for love. It's a cry out for love. And we're angry about all the times in which we did not love and were not loved. Why are there two sides? Why is, why is there Republican Democrat? It feels like that's what we created to keep it simple and to just perpetuate this idea of us versus them. It's fascinating that the pendulum that swings, like during the Obama age, the Republicans had their chance to get angry and just like, they were so upset. Like they just like hated Obama. 
And now the pendulum swings this way and the Democrats are so angry and upset with Trump. And it sounds like you're saying it's good for this anger to, to move and to be expressed. It's like, I feel like what we're seeing. Yeah. I it's, it needs to come up. It needs to come up. This is what needs to occur. And that's why it's occurring. And what I see playing out is like this, are you familiar with the drama triangle, the victim, the perpetrator, and the savior? No. So it's like this idea of, in social dynamics, we so commonly see this idea of there being a victim. And if there's a victim, then there must be a perpetrator. And from that is birthed the idea of a savior. The victim is often seeking a savior. And we're seeing how the role of victim is shifting from like the Democrats to the Republicans and how we're so addicted to this triangle, which actually stops us from taking radical responsibility for our role in the creation of it all. Wow. And then the savior being this, the, the presidential candidate on each side. Yeah. And the thing is, once you're in the drama triangle, the savior eventually becomes the perpetrator <laughs> because they're going to fail in some way because no one can save you but you. Wow, true. Like your life is your own creation. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly seeking a savior. You can look at Christianity, how it you know, has projected the savior mentality onto Christ, even believing that another savior is coming or like God, our savior. But the savior is you. Mm. Yeah, if people just realize that it's all within us, what what from the Akashic perspective, what what could um, help unify us? What can help us realize and and connect on a on a new Earth level? Let me drop into this question. I love this question. Trusting everything that occurs in our lives receiving everything through the lens of trust, knowing that everything that occurs is actually serving us in some way and it is benefiting our lives. And just to give an example from my personal life of how this can play out, I'm currently living in this home where this couple is renting a room and the woman goes, the woman in the couple goes through these very intense emotions. Like she just gets very irritable and then it feels like, you know, passive aggressive, like things thrown and like the intensity of her emotional state. And I felt how in the last few days, like I was kind of leading into like this feeling of victimhood, like, Oh, like it's so hard to be around her. She's so angry about a million things and she's throwing this anger at me. And then it's so much energy to like transmute that and have the conversation. And it's like, draining me. I was having these ideas. I was like, wait a second. That's not the truth. That's not the reality of what's happening. Like, let me feel what's going on. And it was like, wow, I still have very leaky boundaries where I am just like as a little girl, I would come into the presence of someone and not differentiate between me and them. I, as a grown woman stepping into this role as teacher, I'm still doing that. And this like soul level best friend who is appearing as an antagonist is helping me clear, like solidify my boundaries so that I can be in the presence of her with all of her irritability, all of her angst and still remain clear so that I can receive the projections and receive what is thrown at me and still remain clear. Because as you know, I'm starting to step into greater visibility in my work 
And I'm sure there are going to be all sorts of projections thrown at me in the form of hatred and the form of anger. It has already occurred. Some of the things that I say really trigger people. And if I have leaky boundaries, that's going to make me sick. So I need clear boundaries. So she is like, she's training me. This beautiful divine being is training me. And that's the truth. And that's the reality. And as soon as I perceive it that way, I get out of that victim story. And then I can relate to her in ways that actually empower me. So now I'm learning about my boundaries. And as soon as I start learning about my boundaries where I can be in the presence of her, greet her with love, greet her with utmost compassion, completely relinquishing my judgment of her. Judgment of people and resistance to things is what makes us susceptible to like receiving them. Like when we take on other people's stuff, it's because we've judged it or resisted it in some way. If we greet it with love and compassion and acceptance, then it, it doesn't impact us in that way. So that's what I'm learning so that I can now step into this role and feel safer knowing that my boundaries are solid and that other people can be in their own emotional experience, can throw all sorts of projections at me, and I will still be safe within my own boundaries. Wow. that It's like having that trigger be victimhood. If ever we feel like we're a victim to see that as, okay, wait, so I'm never a victim. So this is showing me something that someone is, is being my training partner right now to help me upgrade. Yeah. That, uh, I love that story. That it, it's, I think this is one of humanity's greatest lessons at this moment. What, what you just described, if, if, if that was understood on a collective level, we would instantly have world peace. Yes. And it's so triggering to bring it up for people. It's like so hard to wrap our heads around. Before we can rise out of victimhood, I do feel that we need to validate our experience and our feelings around being victims. How do you mean by that? Needing to validate, like it's necessary or people have the need to? Yeah, we need to validate our own experiences. Meaning like, for example... I'm just giving personal examples right now. I have had many ideas of victimhood around having an autoimmune disease. I developed an autoimmune disease. I felt very sick. I felt, yeah, and I felt victimized by the medical industry because it all started when uh, a doctor gave me antibiotics and I took the antibiotics every single day for four years. And that's when I developed the digestive issues. And this doctor told me over and over and over again, you're totally fine. Like, you're totally fine with the antibiotics. And I went to a dermatologist. It was for acne. And the dermatologist was like, no, keep taking the antibiotics. I was like, but I've been developing digestive problems and anxiety. And the dermatologist was like, antibiotics can't do that. Hmm. So I felt victimized. So it's like, in we have to be able to be really present with that feeling around being victimized and all, everything that arises from that and, and validate it. Be like, oh, this is true and real. And there's also another story. There's a more empowering perspective to all of this. And that more empowering perspective is what immediately inoculates you with complete and total forgiveness. And once you forgive a story, you stop perpetuating it. You like allow the energies of it to alchemize and take new form instead of like resisting a story, hating on it, judging it. Like you can feed it and continue to fuel it through like continuously engaging this idea of victimhood by resisting it. But as soon as we validate it, then we can move on to another perspective. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah. Like whatever we resist persists. And it's, it, it just, I just keep going back to this whole Democrat Republican, like the energies right now are super strong with, with these two 
sides, these two battles coming towards each other. And I'm in all these like group chats with like family members and, you know, some cousins. And it's just like arguments, Democrats, Republicans. And it's just like uh, some people come to the stage with anger and argument. And it's like it's like they're resisting so much that the moment there's a conversation, there's an opening to have a conversation about this stuff. It immediately just like turns into like anger pouring out Mm. and then that the conversation doesn't go anywhere because it's not a conversation it's just blame 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 you're terrible like all this stuff just like hate just like and if two people are just shouting hate towards each other it doesn't that doesn't do anything that doesn't do anything and it's that feels like just pure resistance yeah pure resistance yeah, and if if one person in that experience could fully validate the experience of another, then that person could validate their own experience, and then they don't have to run around convincing everybody else of their perspective or of the validity of their anger. They don't need to be expressing it so much yeah. because it, it finds completion. Yeah, and I, I, I can relate. I mean, I've when I was younger, I was on the Republican side. Then I was went to the Democrat side. Then I went somewhere in the center. And like, you know, I, I've been on both sides and I've seen what that team mentality, I've seen what all that feels like. And uh, even, even right now with all the information that's coming out about everyone, it's just like keeping a, a neutral state and being open is, uh, I think, a gift in this, in this moment. And also, like you were saying, recognizing that we don't actually need rulers at the moment. We don't, we don't need a president. We, we're, uh, we're slowly approaching a point in time where we don't have that, that need for a governance. Um, but collectively, we're encouraging that that's necessary because of the fighting and, and this kind of almost the victim to the savior mentality. We need that savior. Who's going to be on our side to save us? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're recognizing on a collective level that having this imbalance of power is no longer working for us and giving all of our power to, to one being. How are humans seen in the eyes of the Akashic records? Well, in an infinite number of ways. <laughs> I, some, some ways in which I see humans, obviously in an infinite number of ways, depending on what I'm looking at and why, but it's, it's always like there's an innocence behind all of it. There's such a pure innocence. There's so much guilt and shame and blame thrown at people when they so like, you know, behave badly is one way to put it. But if you look at the origin of the behaviors, it, it comes from pure innocence. Often people end up treating people the same way that they were treated. So it's like a very common kind of idea or belief. And their mistreatment of others is often an expression of the woundedness that they hold within. It's like an expression of this anger that is very valid and true and real based on how they have been treated. So there's, there's always like an innocence at the end of the day. Yeah. It's uh, just a bunch of animals here on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're evolving quickly. Our evolution is inevitable. It's already well underway. And this is all part of it. I feel like so many people think that we're heading towards this sort of doomsday apocalyptic experience and while that is true and valid and real on some levels from another perspective it's really just the death and destruction of everything that isn't working that isn't rooted 
in the knowing of our truth and in the knowing of our power and in the knowing of our oneness. All of that is coming to light to be reconciled, to be healed. Mm. And essentially it's all dying. Everything that is not that is being destroyed. So that can like to the ego feel like kind of a doomsday apocalyptic. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 caterpillar in the cocoon probably feels a bit apocalyptic but oh yeah butterfly comes out quite beautiful yes it's like a total death it just dissolves into toxic sludge is what i heard some like article wow refer to it as interesting yeah that that's what we're going through right now that's that's phenomenal toxic sludge like do you see how like sort of symbolic that is of what humanity is doing the caterpillar dissolves into like a sludge that is literally toxic wow before it emerges as the butterfly it's like just extracting toxins it's like detoxifying the human race (laughs) detoxifying our minds totally what's happening I did a healing this morning on this woman and she just had so much in her field and she was wondering, what am I holding on to? Like, what's going on? She's just crying and feeling all of this. And I just felt that her spirit was preparing her for such a new experience and she needed to release and reconcile and heal everything that was blocking her from that new experience, which then manifested as her feeling all the emotions that were actually being brought up. They were brought up so that they're no longer blocking the opening of her heart. All the barriers that she had to her heart, all the past experiences that had her close down her heart and create these productive layers, they were coming into her psyche so that they could be released. Wow. And that's what's happening in the collective human species, in the in human species right now. That's what we're seeing. It's all a healing. Oh, that's so good. And that comes back to either resisting or not. And it's like when we feel those emotions, we can resist them and like keep them closed or we can just dive into them and feel them fully, like with compassion, not where we get, you know, dirt all over everyone around us, but like feel them with compassion, really dive into them and, and see them so that they can share the message that they're meant to share with us. Yes. And in order to do that, we have to trust them. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) that's a thought. Yeah, that, that, that can be a triggering thought to people to trust their sadness or to trust their depression or to trust their anger to really, uh, but it's guiding them towards the light. Always are all of our emotions are such divine messengers mm. and they all serve a purpose. Yeah. I, Daniela, I love flowing with you. So I, it, it's, it's the, what I love about your perspective is that it's, it's got this neutrality mixed with this higher conscious spirituality. And mm-hmm. I think that is super dope. And <laughs> I, I know you've got this training coming up, which where you actually train people to enter this uh, Akashic record perspective, um, which I think is wildly valuable for for people for their lives uh and for their businesses if they want to give people readings and all of that um i want you to talk a little bit about well the training in terms of what's involved when is it how people can do this um i i see you as as that spiritual teacher you know that guy in the audience who's like this is daniela she'll be seen by millions of people i truly believe that and Mm -hmm. 
you know, a part of me surprised that you're not already. Um, and so I think it's just a, a gift to, to really have you on this show and for people to, to be able to hop onto your trainings and, and get that done. And now with, you know, the coronavirus, it's all online. Um, so yeah, when is that happening? Mm, thank you, Michael. It starts on September 21st, 2020. And in the training, it's an eight week training. We meet twice a week for about two hours and we receive all sorts of activations and transmissions that help us activate our psychic sight as well as anchor in more trust and cultivate the consciousness that allows access to the Akashic records, which is a consciousness that is very trusting, very receptive, very open and expansive and non-dual in nature. So we really have to let go of all of our judgments, expectations, and beliefs. And that's a practice. And that is a skill that, that we can learn. So it's very much an energy healing on some levels that helps us restore our psychic sight, our intuitive sight, as well as actual intellectual learning and practice. We'll learn how to access the Akashic Records. Then we'll be diving into a personal practice around the Akashic Records where we use the Akashic Records to begin to start transforming and illuminating and healing aspects of our own lives. Mm. And then we will be reading the Akashic Records for each other and start to learn about how we can share readings with others in a very safe and empowering way. Mm. Yeah. And, and I got to do the training when I was in Greece, like I said, and there was, I'm not going to give anything away, but <laughs> there was this one exercise that, that was like this kind of question answer kind of thing. And as you were saying these things to me, I was able to see what arrived and, and kind of put it out there on, on paper. And it blew my mind. I actually still have that paper and I still look at it wow. because there was so much information. You know, it's, I read it now and I'm like, that wasn't me. <laughs> I don't even know where that knowledge came from. So it was cool. Cause you know, I, I was a bit nervous about like, was this possible? Like, is this possible to do? Like, can I do it? You know, I don't know, but yeah, I was blown away. It was, it was pretty remarkable. I love that. And that's a very consistent message that I hear people just being blown away by how easy it is for them to access higher perspective. Like it, I mean, it's all, it's all there for all of us. Yes. Thank you for that. Yes. And if people want to get more information about your Epic training, where can they find that? Ooh, it's on my website, which is daniellegill.love. And the training is called Metamorphosis. So they can find it on my website. I also have like an event created on Facebook. Not a coincidence that we've been talking about the metamorphosis of caterpillars to butterflies. And that is the name right? of the training. <laughs> wow. And I will also include links in the show notes so people can just tap the links wherever they're watching or listening to this. And one more thing, because uh, I'm very excited about this event that you and I have together uh, this Friday. And the following Friday, there is a live Akashic Record. Uh, if you want to talk about it, it's this group. We all come together on Zoom. There's a whole group of us. And <clears throat> you are sharing uh, about intuition. And you're kind of mm -hmm. tapping into the Akashic Records. Do you want to chat a little bit about what those events are all about? Yeah, it's a three-part series. We're about to start round two. And I will be sharing an Akashic transmission and activation and then we'll be diving into a group akashic record reading 
And this week's topic is around our expression, opening up our divine expression and connecting it to our divine knowing. So expressing, but through our intuitive knowing, through our clarity, through this non-dual perspective that helps us anchor in more love, more unity consciousness here on the planet. Oh, that sounds so good. That sounds so potent. Mm. Wow. So, and then that one also, your website, daniellagill.love. Yes. And it's all there. Uh, in the events, which will also be in the show notes. And if you, for some reason, happen to be watching this later, uh, I imagine you could probably still go onto your website. It'll, the, the replays are there. They can, Join yeah. We'll yeah. I imagine that. it'll we'll be there happen. or it'll be on YouTube and I'm sure there will be more events and more trainings to come. So much good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I just, I love, I love chatting with you, Daniela. Uh, I think you're just a mm-hmm. gift on this planet mm-hmm. and uh, thank you so much for, for sharing with everyone, for sharing what you got going on. Uh, I'm just so excited for uh, your future. And, and the gifts that you're offering humanity. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate you. <laughs> Till next time, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Deep Shift. See you next time. <laughs>